Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our Gospel Proclamation comes from the Gospel of St. Mark, the 10th chapter, verses 2 through 10. Pharisees came up in order to test Jesus and asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, you, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And then the house of the disciples asked him about this matter. And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The text for our Gospel Proclamation comes from the lesson I've just finished reading for you and serves as the basis of our theme for this 19th Sunday after Pentecost, Inseparable from God. Rules, laws, regulations, and the like. We all have our opinion of them. For example, Pablo Picasso once said, Learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. F. Scott Fitzgerald wrote in The Great Gatsby, And for a moment I thought I loved her, but I am slow thinking and full of interior rules that act as bricks on my desires. Cassandra Clare wrote in Lady Midnight, Lex mala, lex nulla. A bad law is no law. And Neil Gaiman, who wrote The Sandman in the Book of Dreams series. Rules and responsibilities. These are the ties that bind us. We do what we do because of who we are. If we did otherwise, we would not be ourselves. I will do what I have to do. And I will do what I must. So in our culture, there are times when the rules must be followed and there are times when rules are meant to be broken or maybe simply regarded as loose guidelines to avoid chaos at the minimum. The question we struggle with every day is, when do we follow the rules absolutely and when do we use them more like guiding principles to avoid catastrophes? When I'm at church conferences, I always join the legal counsel session for pastors, so I know what laws are going to affect the church. And what I usually come away with is, even if we follow the letter of the law perfectly as a 501c3 nonprofit organization, there may be judges that simply ignore the rules we were so careful to follow, or legislators may make a new rule that disregards the former rule. The old proverb, you can't win for losing, comes to mind when dealing with the law of the land. But even in the most frustrating situations like that, I find that careful adherence to the fourth commandment, obey your mother and your father, including all in authority over us, 
truly blesses you just like God's word says it does. You work hard in school and get good grades, you get better opportunities to succeed in life. When you participate in the community organizations at a high level and execute the dictates of the bylaws, you serve the community better as a group than you would have by yourself. You strive for excellence in competition on the field of fair play. You can be rewarded with badges of honor, championships, and accomplishments that can be added to that resume of life that gives you more opportunities to lead and help lift up the less fortunate. One example of rules being applied in a very practical way is when I have the kids in my religion class help choose their memory for the week by abiding by Robert's rules of order in order to teach them the most equitable way I'm familiar with to include everybody in determining the group's destiny. That and I'm trying to teach them how to be future church men and women and be ready to run the church one day themselves. It's probably no secret to you by now. I'm a bit of a rule follower. But at the same time, those who know me know how important the gospel is to me. To strive never to judge anyone based on their adherence to the rules. Because sometimes rules are just that. Rules made by men and have no bearing necessarily on your salvation or spiritual well-being. If you want to follow the rule, I am happy that you are motivated and want to be there under that understanding. If you don't and your independence from the rule doesn't hurt anyone else, I'm just as happy that you are here. When the Pharisees, the spiritual leaders of Jesus' day, came to Jesus, it appears they just wanted some clarification on the rules. And Jesus gives them a lesson on what is concession and what is a command. Now, what Jesus said would have shocked them, interestingly enough, because divorce was really common in his day. So we peek in on their conversation today and listen to what they said rather than what we want to hear. It begins when the Pharisees wanted to know, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Right off the bat, this is a question loaded with agendas, assumptions, and hope for a got you moment with our Lord. What we know is that divorce was allowed. They have clearly been doing it. And Jesus didn't even speak to this practice until they brought it to his attention. Maybe there was some debate between the spiritual leaders of their day and they were hoping to get Jesus to oppose one of the schools of thought. Maybe they were testing his knowledge of Moses' teachings, hoping he would contradict the law of God. Maybe they simply wanted to justify themselves before this amazing new rabbi that the people seemed drawn to in droves. Now, these are all arguments from silence, as Scripture does not tell us on any of these things. So we do well to stand firmly on what they actually said and how Jesus actually responded. First, Jesus wanted to know, what did Moses command you? 
This statement alone should have caught their attention immediately, but they appear to have missed it altogether, for they do not answer the question Jesus was asking, responding, well, Moses conceded a certificate of divorce. And on some level, we see Jesus accepts their answer by saying, he wrote you this commandment for the hardness of your heart. Maybe conceding himself, that they had effectively been using this concession as a command all this time. You know, it's interesting. The evolution of Moses' concession seems to have manifested itself in modern-day Orthodox Judaism. Today, in Orthodox Judaism, you can get a legal divorce from the state and divvy up your assets and make arrangements for the care and custody of your children. But unless you get an orthodox certificate of divorce, neither of the divorcees can get married again unless they get the get. In orthodox Jewish law, a religious divorce known as a get can only be given by a husband and accepted by a wife. This has been codified and definitely does not benefit the wife because the husband has all the control. Honestly, not much different from Jesus' day. Recently, a rabbi has been accused of actually kidnapping Jewish men who refused to give the get and abused them with his henchmen until they gave the wife the get she was asking for. In a strange turn of events trying to help helpless women, this rabbi actually became the abuser and was arrested and charged with the crimes of kidnapping racketeering, and assault. Now, I'll allow, this is an extreme example, but an example nonetheless of what can happen when we operate by concession rather than by God's command. So Jesus clarifies the command. From the beginning, he created you male and female. Unless they fall into this legalistic modern-day trap of misunderstanding what the point of a man and a woman together in marriage is, he points them all the way back to creation. In a fascinating creation of humankind, we see the completion of God's creation when he creates male and female in his own image. How can both man and woman be in his image? Well, that question was wrestled with for years, prompting Moses' concession of a certificate of divorce. Even though God said, what God had joined together, let not man separate. Man forgot those words. Man forgot God made them one flesh in his image. They forgot their purpose of being a man and woman together on this earth. Well, they wanted the concession rather than the command because their deeds were evil in the sight of the Lord and he commanded them to do what they did not want to do. God anticipated his wayward children's disobedience and gave them the law so that they knew what they were supposed to do and knew what they were not supposed to do and knew what they were supposed to do when they did not do what they were supposed to do. God gave them the right of animal sacrifice, which took their sins away. God forgave them their iniquities and remembered their sin no more. 
God called them back to him after they sinned against him and separated themselves from him by sending the great prophets like Jeremiah, Isaiah, and John the Baptist. Then the ultimate reason for male and female being created in his image came to fruition on the cross. Jesus came as the bridegroom and paid the dowry for the church with his blood shed, his life given, his glory surrendered, so we could be his glorious bride in eternity. In the image of God, we were created. Male and female, he created us to be his holy bride, and him our bridegroom. This was the purpose, this was the point, and this is what every marriage lives up to. The ideals of God himself manifest in us. The image lost by sin and the image of himself restored through the cross. God makes us inseparable from one another because as creations in his image, we are inseparable from God. Amen. Now may that peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.